This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's a brand new football season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets and Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. The one thing that hasn't changed, where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every single weekend. Our Blue Wire podcasters are using mybookie.com slash Blue Wire to sign up this year. My bookie has bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest, First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence, a lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome in to another episode of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson, joined by my co-host Gabriella Giovanni And Ella, can you believe it? College football is back. This weekend. The most wonderful time of the year, Kayla Anderson. The most wonderful time of the year. Feels like Christmas. It really does. Yeah, that that brings me to that song. It's the most Most wonderful wonderful time time of the year. (laughs) It's like Christmas in August slash September. Oh my God. We made it, people. We made it. And we have a really good show for you today as we continue our Power 5 previews. We're really wrapping it up with the biggest conference that has been, at least in terms of dominance, mm-hmm. uh, the past few years, and that is the mighty SEC. And we have a great guest in Braden Gall that's going to come on a little later to break it down. But first, we're going to kind of give our opinions on some things. We are. We're going to jump right in here, kind of looking at our storylines that we are interested in following. Um, The SEC is hard to break down because there are so many storylines and there are so many teams that are obviously really good or on their way to be really, really good. So we're going to try and break things down as simple as we can, obviously throw in our opinions. But for me, Kayla, where I want to get started is, is this the year that Georgia beats Alabama? 
you, you have mm. to look at their history the past two years, right? In 2017, they faced each other in the national championship game, which was big because it was two SECs facing one another. And that's what the college football playoff structure can do. Two SEC teams can play each other now. And I know a lot of people were against that setup, but they were the two best teams in the country, right? And yeah. that's how it shook out. Georgia lost that one in OT 26-23. That's how you want a national championship game to be played in, into overtime. I mean, it was down to the wire. It was such a good game, but Georgia lost. In 2018, then Georgia lost again, 35-28 to Alabama in the SEC championship game at the hands of Jalen Hurts, who rose from the dead. And so, and last year, really, though, you could argue that Georgia was better than Alabama. I mean, after that SEC championship game, Nick Saban came out and said, I hope we don't have to play them in the playoffs because they were so Good. Alabama was run down in that game. So it feels like the perfect storm that if these two teams were to meet again in the SEC championship game, which I think they will be seeing each other again, it feels like the perfect storm that this might be George's year to do it. Yeah, you have to give Kirby Smart a lot of credit for being able to get his teams to this level, to be able to be now the other team that people talk about in the mm-hmm. SEC because for so long, yeah, there's some, you know, dabblings of Auburn here and there. And, you know, LSU has kind of been on the rise, but it's really been Alabama when we talk about dominance in the SEC. So props to him for getting Georgia to that point. And I think it's going to be a fascinating story to see how it unfolds this season. I'm, I'm always kind of on the side of Georgia and seeing like if they can pull it off because mm-hmm. I just am, am tired of seeing Alabama <laughs> win right, right. so much. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely excited for that one. And I think that everybody clearly knows that those are the two teams that are dominant in the SEC this year. I want to go to a team that hasn't been dominant. You know, this was a once power program. Uh, we're talking about the Tennessee Volunteers. Mm. They have struggled the past several years. Now with Jeremy Pruitt, in his second year as the head coach, who, mind you, played with, um, or excuse me, coached with Nick Saban mm-hmm. and picked up a lot of stuff from him. I want to see if he can get this Vols team to the next level. And I think that that next level for many people, at least in terms of people outside of the program, is just to have a winning season. Now, right. I know Vols fan Vols fans want them to beat all the big-time programs, make it to the national. That's not going to happen. Okay, you have to be realistic. I just think a winning season and getting to a bowl game is a step in the right direction for this Volunteers team. Now, Pruitt, the biggest thing that I've seen from what he's done in the offseason is he upgraded his staff. And you hear all the time that that's sometimes the most important thing for a head coach is to have people he trusts in, have people that he can help develop with all those different positions. Because really, you're the CEO of that team. You have to run it. And you can't always be detailed on everything. So he brought in Vols, uh, former Vols quarterback T. Martin, who was at USC. Mm-hmm. Derek Ansley is taking care of the, the defense. He comes over from the Oakland Raiders. And Jim Chaney, this was the big one, the offensive coordinator they drew over from Georgia, comes over to volunteers. He has a really great staff around him. So I, I'm interested to see how they can help this team. Now, quarterback Jared Garrettano, he is becoming more comfortable with being the guy, with being a leader, more comfortable in this offense, having a lot more confidence in himself, which is huge um, because he has the weapons around him to be good and to make this offense good. 
uh, running back Ty Chandler, wide receiver Marquise Callaway, who was Marquez Callaway, who was great last year. We have those guys that are here. Then games for me in college football, Ella, are won in the trenches. And Mm -hmm. the big thing about this team is the offensive line. The starting five has not been yet determined. So this is the question I have on this team, the biggest question. They've had problems with this O-line. They've lost a lot of people to injury. Guys have retired because of health. And so it'll really be interesting to see if they can get this O-line coming together because an offense isn't going to work unless you've got the guys that are holding it down in front. Right, protecting your quarterback, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And they need to protect Jarrett Garantano because I don't know if you saw any games of Tennessee last year, but the guy got drilled. I mean, this guy is not the biggest dude, and he's tough, but he can't sustain more injuries this season. You also can't can't start a run game if (laughs) – your quarterback no. can't even stay on two feet to hand the ball off, right? No, he's got he's got to stay healthy, and that's going to determine if that offensive line is able to do that or not. And then the other thing is Pruitt, he wants to stop the run. That's the defensive priority for him. And the D-line, though, he only returns just two career starts, guys, that with just two career starts. So it's not like that D-line is really, really experienced experience. So I'm a little worried about that, but there's some really good parts to this team on defense, the cornerbacks, the secondary part I like. And I also like the linebacker group with Daniel Batui. He's a beast. He's very, very smart, smart player. So I I don't know. I, I like parts of this Tennessee team. I think it's just, there's so many ifs still. It's just about how it's going to come together. Their schedule isn't the worst, right? They have teams they can beat thrown in with Alabama in there and so on and so forth in Florida. But other than that, they have teams that they can beat. It's just a matter of can they make that jump and they need, they need to make that jump. Yeah. Some of these teams that kind of sit at the bottom of these power five conferences, you want to get them to a place where they're just not the laughing stock of the conference, right? Like yeah. Tennessee didn't used to be this way, as you said, and they deserve to at least climb a little out of the shadows and have enough respect where when they're coming in, coming into a game, you know, the, the team is preparing properly for this team. And they're not already looking ahead to the following week because it's just Tennessee. And yeah. that's going to, I mean, there's no denying the dominance of the SEC, but you need teams like Tennessee to hold their own so that the conference as a whole is dominant, right? I mean, you look at even some of these teams, I mean, these conferences that may have very strong teams and then they go to the bowl season And they go, you know, two and five in bowl games. And it's like, well, how strong actually is that conference once they enter, you know, a bowl game that they and they can't win. So you need teams like Tennessee to step up. They're not going to beat Alabama. They might not make it to a bowl game, but maybe a winning season. That's a great start. So I totally Mm -hmm. agree with you there. And I think there's a Tennessee in every conference, right? And I just think all of those teams need to find a way to rise from the ashes just a little bit. Yep. A team that has risen from the ashes, another storyline that I'm pumped about, honestly. I'm very looking forward to Dan Mullen in his rebuild at Florida. Now, this is year two under Dan Mullen. The Gators ruled the SEC under the Urban Meyer days, but haven't been the same since then. No one, I don't think anyone, expected the turnaround that would ensue when Mullen stepped onto the scene. Last year, they went 10-3. and 10-3. and three. Yeah. And I think... Very big surprise. I think people thought it was going to be much more of a rebuild, some growing pains in the next few years. 
than just going 10 and three in his first year. They beat LSU last season at the swamp. That was huge. They closed Mm -hmm. out the season with four straight wins and then beat Michigan in the peach bowl, which (laughs) we talked about this last week. That's more of a knock on Michigan, right? But they're returning five offensive starters, seven on defense. And then you have that quarterback Felipe Franks in year three, along with experienced receivers they enter the season ranked eight. So yeah, getting respect. Things are looking pretty good. If he turn it around the way he did in year one, you kind of have to sit back and think what's to come in year two. Now, obviously they have a bigger task. They face LSU on the road. That is not an easy place to play. And they always mm-hmm. have to play Georgia in that enormous rivalry game. I don't see them beating Georgia, but there's still a lot of wins I think they're going to be stacking this season. And again, with more experience, now Dan Mullen has had one full consistent year with Felipe Franks. That's that's what you need. You need that chemistry between that head coach and that quarterback to really ignite this type of rebuild. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what they do. Obviously, they kick things off big time this coming weekend against Miami. College game day. Yeah. 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 So that's going to be a test for sure. I mean, we'll see really what Miami's made of, but I expect Florida to win. And um, I think we're going to be in for a few surprises from Florida this year um, under Dan Mullen in year two. Yeah. First of all, I just love uh, Dan Mullen as a head coach. I was watching this is how pathetic I am sometimes on my days off. I was watching their spring scrimmage and Mullen was on the sideline with um, Don Davenport, who is actually based here in Nashville and who worked at my station uh, previous years before me. And she was having a blast with him on the sideline because he's so personable mm-hmm. and he, you can tell he has fun and he relates to these players. And in this day and age, like we've seen with the Dabo Sweeney type of coach, Relating to your players means a lot when it comes to success. And I just loved seeing his like energy down there on the field. I know it was just like a spring scrimmage game, but you could just tell that his players really loved him. And he was like dancing and everything with like some of the music that came on. I was like, this, I would like, I'd go and play for this guy. I think the biggest thing for this team that will be a challenge, Ella, is the inexperienced offensive line. I think that's the one thing. I feel like this is a theme right now that we've been talking about these O-lines because they are having to replace four starters. But if that O-line can hold up for Frank, because I love Felipe Franks. I think he is, he's going to be a great great. quarterback. He's, he's really grown a lot. Then I think that they're going to have a spectacular season. So um, I think you're right on with Florida being right up there. Well, and what's interesting about the offensive line position is although it's five guys playing, it's five guys that need to have one brain, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, they, yeah, absolutely. It's it's a different type of unit than any other position in football. There's not just the left tackle and just the left guard and just the center. And so on and so forth. They all got to be on the same page. It's five guys with one brain working together. And so that's a hard thing when you're losing that many starters to bring in all these guys and have them work together and start to gel. Because obviously Felipe Franks needs it. The run game needs it. So obviously, yes, that's the one thing that we're definitely going to be looking towards. But if they can all get on the same page, Florida's going to bring some noise in the SEC this season. Absolutely. Well, I don't know if it's really a thing in college football, but I know that shaving for a lot of people 
is a terrible experience. The, tra- the training camp beards. The training camp beards. Got to shave. The them. training camp beards are yes. You gotta <laughs> you gotta get them gone. Uh, we've got you covered too at Blue Wire. Our podcast network is actually teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to Harry's.com/slash/bluewire to save ten dollars on a value trial set, which includes the following: five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that. For just three dollars shipped right to your door so you know enough with the low quality razors and all that from convenience stores it's totally worth trying harry's sign up today harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. harry's bought a world-class blade factory in germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash blue wire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. So if you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash blue wire to redeem your razor for $3. Well, now it's time to bring in a special guest to help us break down the SEC today. Please welcome in Braden Gall. He has many titles at Sirius XM. You can find him on ESPN Radio here in Nashville, Tennessee, and then also uh, with Athlon Sports. Welcome in, my friend. How you guys doing? Good to be here. Doing well. Um, let's dive right into it, and let's talk about what everybody seems to talk about when it comes to the SEC, and that's Alabama. Yeah, they've lost some key pieces offensively and defensively because of that NFL draft, but they lose stars every single year to the draft, and it seems not to hinder their success at all. Now, after a bit of embarrassing showing last year in the national championship game, is the thought of Alabama with a chip on their shoulder a scary thought for the rest of college football? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, more scary than an average Alabama team, which wins, <laughs> which wins most of its games, of course, during the national anthem, just looking scary <laughs> across the field at the other team. I mean, seriously, like that's part of you know, like part of why LSU plays well against them, part of why Georgia's played well against them, part of why Clemson sort of had to lose first before it could come back and win with Deshaun Watson is you can really genuinely lose to Alabama just looking at them mm-hmm. during the national anthem. And you've got to have confidence and belief in yourself that you can win. And Clemson has that, Georgia has that now, even though they've come close and lost both times. They know that they're physically on par with Alabama. Clemson already knows that. LSU, that's why they consistently play so well with Bama's because they know they can physically match up to some degree. But your question is is right on. I mean, I you know the, the, every time Nick Saban loses in a championship game setting, you know, 2008 SEC championship game, they come back and win the whole thing and, and get revenge on Tim Tebow in 09. You know, 2010 they lose to to Cam Newton, and then they come back and and, and I know that, I know that wasn't a championship setting, but you lose and you come back and you get a championship in 2011. You know, you lose in kick six fashion in 13. You come back, you win the SEC title and. And only a random run by Cardell Jones beat them in 14. Yeah. Um, you lose in 14, you come back and win in 15. You lose in 16 to Deshaun, you come back and win in 17. It's um, nuts. So yeah, yeah, like it's so to your point, I mean, I, I'm picking Bama right now. I think Clemson is great. Yeah. Um, I think the game last year, even though it was 28 points on the scoreboard, was much closer. If you dive into the metrics and the percentages and all kinds of stuff, you know, Clemson's not going to go 10 of 
you know, 15 on third downs against Alabama again. They had a great defensive line. So that game was probably actually closer than the score indicated. Mm-hmm. I like Alabama and just if I had to pick somebody right now because I think Nick Saban's got that game on a loop in the facility, like all the stories yeah. we hear. And, and so the, the chip on the shoulder thing, I think you're totally right. I also think the coaching staff is significantly better. I think they've upgraded – at both the offensive and coordinator, uh, offensive and defensive coordinator positions, you know the offense is going to be amongst the greatest offenses in SEC history. Uh, there's a little concern for the linebacker depth, but but again, it's you know we spend all summer looking at Alabama, and we I feel like I you know I talk on 16 different mediums, and I still don't real like I still don't feel like there's much to say about Alabama. They're the best mm-hmm. roster, the best mm-hmm. coach. You know, I I really really like Georgia. I like Georgia a lot, yep. but yep. not enough to pick Alabama or not enough to pick against Alabama. Well, diving deeper into the SEC, I'm really intrigued to see what Jimbo Fisher has cooked up at Texas A&M in his second year as the head coach. He has quarterback Kellen Mond, who threw for over 3,000 yards in 2018, and you want them to take that leap in 2019, (laughs) but their schedule is tough. They're at Clemson in week two, then they host Alabama and Auburn, and then they close out the season on the road at Georgia and at LSU. How is Jimbo Fisher preparing his quarterback week to week to navigate this tough schedule in order for A&M to get themselves back on that college football map? Uh, thoughts and prayers. I mean, I don't like, I mean, <laughs> Kellamon's a really good player and, and you laid it all out. Right. There. I mean, you laid it all out. I mean, he, the, the, according to our rankings at Athlon, you know, again, those are going to change. We obviously realize that, but they're slated to play one, two, and three, which are right. head and shoulders above everybody else in college football, in my opinion. And then you mentioned they're also going to play, oh, by the way, we're going to have to play, you know, South Carolina and crossover, add in, add in mm-hmm. a game against Auburn and a game against LSU. And you're, and you're talking potentially, you know, five or six top 15, top 20 teams. You're just not sure what you're going to get. And that doesn't include Mississippi State, which is a tough game. So right. I, I really like this team. They're probably the greatest eight and four team ever assembled. And, but I, I just, maybe they pull an upset or two and they can get to 10 wins. I, I think this is, I think the program has been, you know, heading in the right direction, the change of culture, you know, toughen up, physicality, all that stuff. They've got a great defensive coordinator and Mike Elko who needs to, you know, take that great defensive line and, and elevate it another level. But I, I think 2020, if you asked a lot of people in College Station, what you, you know, what are you guys expecting this year versus how do you feel about 2020? I'm willing to bet you a lot of people in College Station are pointing at 2020 as mm-hmm. the, the year that they circle when two is gone, and you know they look at their team and, and Kellamon's a senior, and they look at their roster and they go, "Man, we've we've stacked four recruiting classes on top of each other now. It's time to go win it all." So I don't think expectations are there for them this year, but that is a really physical team with an identity now under Jimbo Fisher, and they're they're going to be a really tough out, and it could be Alabama's toughest regular season game yeah, since sure. they got to host Bama mid mid October. Mm-hmm. Well, this next team is a sore subject in our household because my husband <laughs> <laughs> is a graduate of the school. Um, for the Auburn Tigers, a lot of people have Gus Malzahn on the hot seat, uh, which is totally understandable. He'll return to play calling this season, but expectations for the Tigers remain obviously very high. They certainly don't lack talent. So following an 8-5 and five season, does Auburn's success come down to Malzahn's just grasp on the team, the offense, quarterback play. I mean, what can you tell me about this Auburn team and what to expect out of them? To expect the unexpected. I mean, if you're, <laughs> if, you know, if you're, if you're in the Auburn family, then you know all about it. And, and yeah. when they, you know, it's the most volatile program in America. There's no other program in America that competes for national championships, but also is the second biggest name yeah. in the state. That's just not a thing that exists anywhere else. Right. Michigan State doesn't do it. To some degree, Texas A&M is sort of like that. It's also why they've never won anything in, in you know, 65 years of, of, of the last you know, half decade or half century. Yeah. So 
I, I really like the makeup outside of the quarterback quarterbacks inexperience. I think they got really good talent at the position. Joey Gatewood and Bo Nix, I would expect to see both of them playing in the first three games. I think you want to have a starter established by week four when you go to A&M. Uh, that's going to be a really, really brutal test for Auburn. But you see, so you probably want to have your guy sort of set there. The offensive line was terrible last year, but all five guys are back. And at a program like Auburn, I think that's a good thing because Auburn recruits really high-level players and they develop. You know, if this was West Virginia or you know maybe a middle-tier program that doesn't recruit at high levels, bringing all those guys back may be viewed as a bad thing. I think at a place like Auburn, those guys have all played together. They've played together with the same O-line coach. Now Malzahn's calling the plays, which generally is a good thing so far Mm -hmm. i I really like auburn this year the schedule is just ridiculously brutal they Mm -hmm. you know they haven't played in gainesville in 12 years so that's going to be a crazy game and then you add to add into it or again and i I think that there's a little interesting slate and i don't have it in front of me but i want to say it's like weeks four five and six they'll play three really tough games texas a&m mississippi state and florida and if they beat oregon week one and then come out of that trio with only one loss. So they're sitting at four, one, five and one, something like that before they head into the mm-hmm. really tricky parts of their schedule. That, that's where Auburn can do an Auburn thing. And, and Auburn could yeah. be a, nas- a national title contender, but they also have, we've also seen them go from national championship game to and eight in less than two years. So we just don't, yep. you don't ever really know. I, the defensive line is spectacular. I think there, there's some good receivers. There's some talent there. I, I think there's a lot to like. I, I think Gus Malzahn is undervalued to be honest with you, because again, I think being the Auburn coach leads to, a quicker hook and a quicker, a shorter leash. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the volatility of the Auburn fan base is just so bizarre. <laughs> and, and because it's, it's Nick Saban, it's a Nick Saban thing. It's an Alabama thing. Yeah. It's not anything like Auburn's one of the greatest places on the planet to go watch a college football game. Great food. It sure is. Give me some shrimp from Hamilton's. I'm good. But like the oh. whole thing, the whole thing is just weird because you're in the state with Bama and that's just. Like, uh, again, I, I think uh, how many coaches in America could say that they've won two divisions in the last seven years in the same division or last 10 years, I guess, in the same division as Nick Saban? I just don't think there's a lot of coaches right. that, that could say, hey, I've gone head to head with Nick Saban and beaten him twice and won the division yeah. twice and gone to the SEC championship game. And, and he's done that. And then again, in 2010, you know, you go back further as an offensive coordinator, he did it. So he's kind of beaten Saban three times and that's virtually un- unprecedented in the division. Stop your point. Yeah. So like, I, I think he gets undervalued I, two years ago. Uh, I don't know if you have the time, a quick story. I was flying. I had to be in Virginia for a funeral and I was flying back during the Georgia Auburn game when Georgia was number one and undefeated and Auburn was, was surging at the right time. And I, I planned my flight around being able to watch the first half at the Atlanta airport and then fly back to Nashville <laughs> to catch the second half. And I sit down at the bar. Sure enough, they're just they're, Auburn is just crushing undefeated number one Georgia. Remember that was their first yeah. meeting that year. Yeah. They're going up and down the field, just you know, line of scrimmage, absolutely demolishing Georgia, and they're up like whatever the score is. And I look to a lady to my left who's at the the bar in Atlanta. <laughs> And she's got an, she's head to toe Auburn gear. And I look at her and go, man, you guys are looking pretty good. And she goes, got to get rid of Gus, not going to win the natty. And she's like oh. a 60 year old woman. And I'm going, you're going up and down the field on number one in the nation. What are you talking about? And, you know, it's, I think it speaks to sort of the mindset that Nick Saban sort of creates in opposing coaches. Yeah. So I, I like sure. that, but we'll see. I like that point. That's funny. Well, LSU welcomed transfer quarterback Joe Burrow last year from Ohio State. The Tigers were lucky that their transfer quarterback would be there to stay for two seasons. That doesn't normally happen. Um, last year, just learning the playbook, getting acclimated to a new system, new receivers, et cetera. Joe Burrow 
was more of a game manager, but by the end of the season, things were clicking. He was completing over 60% of his throws. Does LSU present more of a threat this year in year two with Joe Burrow under center? LSU's schedule is also not a walk in the park. That first big test coming in early September at Texas. Yeah, that's a really fascinating football game. There's not many games in the entire schedule I'd rather be at than that one. Um, Just a lot of large, freakish creatures running headfirst into each other in that one. And (laughs) we'll we'll see. I I think LSU today, when when we talk to coaches sort of anonymously, which we do for our magazine, a lot of them will tell you like, hey, this this team is closer to Alabama than it's been since 2011, which is the last time they beat them in that 9-6 game in Tuscaloosa. And it's because Coach Orgeron got there and looked around. Certainly, they needed to fix the quarterback. They still need to fix the offense. We've been reading that column in Baton Rouge for 10 years about how they're going to innovate the offense. Well, we'll see if they actually do it this year. But I, I do think Coach O got there and he looked at his line of scrimmage and he said, where are all my dudes at? And, and, and the offensive and defensive lines at LSU have not normally been an issue, but I think they were when he got there. They are not this year. They are low on the offensive line, defensive line. They got plenty of weapons on in the space positions as well. They got the best safety in the country in Grant Delpit. I, LSU today is is probably as close as it's been to, to Saban's Alabama in a decade. And that doesn't mean they're going to go into Tuscaloosa and win. So I, I really like right. this team. I think they're really talented. As a, as a fan of, you know, Coach O personally, I'm rooting for him to do well. I have always sort of questioned and doubted his upside as a head football coach. You know, uh, you know, Ole Miss the tenure was a, a disaster. He's got a lot more. Yeah. Ta- he's got a lot more talent at LSU. I, I, but there is this weird vibe, and I, people call me crazy when I say this, and I get it. But there is a Dabo Sweeney-ish like buy-in to what Coach O sure. does for LSU mm-hmm. because he he literally speaks the language of the people. I get it, and the yep. culture, In, and yes, yes the, the high school yes. coaches love him. The community loves him. There's a massive population displacement that happens, so the talent isn't as much as you would assume in maybe Louisiana as it used to be pre-Katrina. Um, but he can he could he just relates. He ties it all in, and there's buy-in now. And he's, if he can keep yeah. Dave, if he can keep Dave Aranda around, arguably the best defensive coordinator in America, if you can keep him around and keep recruiting and build that you know that culture that Dabo has done at Clemson you don't have to be a great CE like X's and O's guy like Dabo is not an X's and O's genius he's not going to draw plays to no. scheme anybody but he's a great CEO and he's a great leader and Coach O kind of has a little bit of that I just don't know if it's good enough to beat Nick Saban frankly and that's the only question that LSU fans really care about right now. Uh, Brandon, who is your surprise team this season that maybe we're not talking about that maybe people aren't talking about in the SEC that you kind of see has some magic in them? Man, that's a, that's a tough question. Probably Missouri. And by the way, I love. I actually really like Joe Burrow. I didn't even answer your question about Joe Burrow. No, it's okay. Um, yeah. But I, I think I think he's he's, he's much more stable than anything they've had in LSU in like 15 years at quarterback. So yeah. that's a good thing. Um, I think Missouri is a team that I really like. I'd like to see okay. the bowl ban lifted before the season. I know. I, you yeah. know. You don't know what a, how how and what a locker room does if and when a, an announcement comes in the middle of the year. You'd hate to see that for a number of yeah. reasons. But they've got a really good offensive line. They've got a really simplified offense that goes really fast. So Kelly Bryant, who oh by the way led a team to an ACC championship and a playoff right. game, he's not a, he's not a scrub. Like he's no. a good good player. They've got a really good running back in Larry Roundtree. They've got some receivers. They've got one of the best tight ends in the SEC. They've got great linebackers. Secondaries back. They have a lot of pieces. And much like we, were, I was just talking about with with Coach O at LSU. There's nobody that speaks and sells and loves and walks and breathes Missouri football the way Barry Odom does. And yeah. you know, to have that locker room basically be open for poaching this offseason 
following all the things that they've gone through, right? Go back to the racial issues on campus and tension, going back yeah. to getting, getting the job with a coach who was the best in school history, probably, you know, leaving early to battle cancer. I mean, just the whole thing was just super complicated. And he's a very cerebral guy. And to have that locker room be galvanized and the campus be galvanized now around that team, I think is is a really valued thing that you can't really quantify. So I, I like Missouri to challenge. They've beaten Florida the last two years. They haven't lost in November since 2016, which is really impressive. Wow. Underrated. I, I, underrated. I think Missouri yeah. is the team that I would look out for. I think Kentucky's going to be a lot better than people think, but unfortunately yeah. it's a fairly predict like outside of Auburn making a national title run or, you know, whatever. I don't think Missouri can beat Georgia. Like I don't think they're going to win the yeah. East. So they may surprise some people and win go nine and three, but I mean, I like Georgia so much. There's no way I'm picking anybody but Georgia in the East. Yeah. Well, Braden, you're a rock star, like always. Um, <laughs> so where can people go to follow you if they want to listen to your stuff, if they want to read your stuff? Because you said there's one place that you always point people to. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I go to Twitter now at this point. Um, I, I don't have an Instagram account except for, for my two my two little small daughters. But other than other than Twitter <laughs> account, at, at, at Braden Gall on Twitter, um, you can get to all my other stuff that way. Cover two podcasts on iTunes and everywhere you get iTunes. Every podcast is a national college football podcast trying to compete with you guys here, of course, from Athlon and <laughs> ESPN Radio on Saturday nights this fall. We should be on on your drive home Saturday nights uh, nationwide. Yes. So check that out. All right, man. Appreciate you coming in. Your insight was fabulous. Yeah, and uh, we, look, we look forward to listening to you the rest of the season on all your platforms. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks, guys. Thank Thanks, Brandon. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keeps your customers happy. And right now, Press Pass listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There is absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Now, ShipStation works with all of the majority carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solutions for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best available rates. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE, ShipStation.com, make ship happen. Well, thanks again for our guest, Braden Gall. He's phenomenal uh, when it comes to breaking down any football, but specifically the SEC. And we're going to kind of change things up a little bit and go to some good stuff from the gridiron. And I have been dying to talk about this, Ella. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, my Washington State Cougars have been selected for the college version of Hard Knocks. I'm about just like out of my mind excited. (laughs) I can't even explain it. I, I just, I cannot explain what it's going to mean to put a program, to put a little city of Pullman on the map that nobody knows about Except for you know Mike Leach, obviously <laughs> they know about him, but it's gonna it's gonna showcase where I'm from, where I went to school, and just it's gonna be really entertaining. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's it's interesting because I was thinking how I would feel if it was Ohio State, but like you said, 
Washington State's different in the sense of, like, I wouldn't have known Pullman before I met you, right? People know things about Ohio State football. It's out there. They have that type of access. A school like Washington State, to gain that type of access is huge for the program. Obviously, Mike Leach is going to be hilarious, and that is going to draw in people as it is, right? But I think it's – I love when shows do this, and they take kind of a creative route to go behind the scenes in these programs to, to really see what it's like, because I don't think enough people know. And, and I'm excited to watch and get a good look at the kooks. Yeah. And I think that sometimes we, we don't, we've seen some stuff on the SEC network, but we don't really always get to see like what these college players are like. And I mean, we, we've covered them, but really to see what they're like behind the scenes, I think that's going to be cool too. Cause that's what draws me to hard knocks. I get to know these players and I hope that it it brings some fans to the Washington state program. I mean, it'll definitely help recruiting. That's for sure. But I think people will maybe fall in love with that, that team and you know, the college town that, that we're in because it is so kind of out there. So that'll be cool to have yeah, that's that. Awesome. For me, good stuff from the gridiron. This is the good, good stuff from the gridiron. Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh, Alcohol yeah. sales. <laughs> Stadium. Oh baby. As you notice over the past two, maybe three years, um, there's been increased um, alcohol sales throughout college football stadiums. Hasn't always been a thing. If you've been to college football games in the past, you cannot buy alcohol. But the past few years, that's kind of increased. Tennessee is the newest one to join the fun club, if you will, the sixth sixth school to sell alcohol at football games. I mean, people were really, when this started to become a thing, people thought that was such a bad idea because of college kids drinking. And let's be honest, they are drinking before the game. So as long as you legally do what you have to do in terms of carding them or whatever i mean grown adults are watched at nfl stadiums like they can be overserved or cut off you know so as long as you just take the right precautions it really makes no difference at all um and it is fun for people who aren't students to go and be able to drink a beer at a football game yeah and i think it helps programs too that don't have those naturally like big crowds and specifically here in nashville you know, Vanderbilt is doing this and Vanderbilt struggles to get people in the stands. And I think they're hoping too that something like this is going to help that. So I think it can be beneficial to some programs that don't have that, you know, natural following or selling out of a stadium. So like you said, as long as things are being dealt with responsibly, then I think it'll be. Yeah, I don't think it's as big of a deal as some people who are anti this as they're making it seem. No. It's really not. And for a lot of the students, once they're in there, they're not leaving to go get a beer, for being honest. I mean, once I was in the student section, I wasn't moving. You're like, you're in there to stay. So I I really don't think it's as big of a deal as people make it. It's I think it's a great thing. It should it should be a thing. But on the side of I think people worrying about students drinking, I really don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, I don't either. If I ever have time to go watch a game, I'll definitely have a beer. But then again, oh, yeah, I'm covering games. So that's not going to happen. Well, that is a wrap on this episode, episode 41 of Press Pass. Can't believe it. Um, Pretty cool. We keep on rolling and now we get to get into the good stuff this next week because we're going to actually have games to talk about, Ella. So it's going to be fun. We're just going to keep rolling from here on out. 
for those people who want to subscribe to Press Pass at College Football Pod, where can the people go? So if you're listening on iTunes, please press that subscribe button, leave a rate or review. We'd love to hear from you. On Twitter, you can follow both of us at Ella Didge and at Kayla Anderson TV. The same handles on Instagram, but also on Instagram, we have Press Pass Pod. Please give us a follow. And um, we hope you have enjoyed the new college football layout to our podcast. Yeah, make sure if you want to leave us a review, you can leave it, but hopefully it's a good one. Well, we thank you again, you guys, and have a great week. Happy college football kickoff, and enjoy some some good brats, some good beer, and uh, root on your teams.